Hi everyone, welcome to Cultivating Happiness. My name is Emma Duke and I am your host for this podcast. In this podcast series, we'll be looking at happiness. So what it means, misconceptions about how to achieve it, and also some proven ways to increase happiness in your daily life. I've always had a fascination in studying happiness. I've read a lot of books and watched a lot of documentaries on the subject, and I've even taken a couple courses. So I'm really excited to delve into the world of happiness and share some things that I've learned from the experts. I'm so excited to be joined by a very special guest today, and that is Paul Krismer. Paul is the founder of the Happiness Experts Company, as well as the author of Whole Person Happiness. Thank you so much for joining me today, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here, Emma. Thanks for asking me. So first, I'd like to hear a bit more about the company that you started, the Happiness Experts. What exactly is it that your company does? Um, primarily, we do training. We mostly work in the corporate world and try to help companies create cultures of excellence, which um, in our belief, and I think the research backs us up, is really premised on companies investing in um, emotional context of their organization. So the, the more positive an organization, the more productive and profitable it is. Yeah, I, I'm curious if, um, if some of the things that you teach would also apply to university students. Like, is stress a thing that comes up a lot? Well, so first of all, let me say that everything I teach is applicable to individual humans and any group of humans, including school environments. Absolutely, stress comes up a lot. Um, with regard to stress specifically, what are some of the tips that you give to overcoming stress? So there's any number of good tips with respect to um, dealing with stress, but one of the best tips for dealing with stress, to be, keep it simple, is physical exercise. Mm -hmm. It's just known as a way of um, using up energy and replenishing energy. And it, it exercise is one of the few ways that we can produce in an, in an intentional way, something called um, brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's a hormone that's very clearly established with growth and um, um, health of the human brain and, and neuronal system in general. So exercise is this fantastic way to um, relieve stress and create a, a series of hormones that are good for the body, but primarily brain-derived neurotropic factor. Kind of going on that same route, um, I opened up my social media as, so other people could ask questions. And one question that somebody asked was about how much happiness impacts your physical health. So I think it's pretty clear that stress or lack of happiness might make your physical health worse, but could happiness actually improve your physical health? So the, the quick answer is absolutely yes. The, the science is very, very clear that happiness, and we could define that perhaps, but the abundance, uh, an abundance of positive emotions, let's call that happiness, an abundance of positive emotions leads to many successful life outcomes, better career outcomes, better relationships, you're actually cognitively smarter, um, you um, have more energy, but with respect to health specifically, the science, there's just overwhelming um, science now demonstrating that the more positive you are, the better health effects you have. And you can be things like a boosted immune system, lower heart rates. Um, the really clear understanding of this, which will be intuitive to your listeners, is that 
when we have an abundance of positive emotions, our bodies bathed in these chemicals and hormones that are good for us, serotonin, endorphins, dopamine, all these things that help us function at an ideal level. And um, by contrast, if we've got a, a lot of negative emotions, a lot of stress, a lot of cortisol, then we're always in this fight or fight um, mode. And it is great five minutes at a time, once every 24 hours. Yeah. But if we're like that for a lot of hours every single day, we wear ourselves thin, our immune system gets goes down, we get sick, we do less well physically, for sure. That's interesting. So I know you talked about physical exercise. I'm wondering if there's anything else people can do to kind of overcome stress or even just increase happiness in daily life. Well, the easy ones to talk about are um, is basic self-care and self-management things like good nutrition, getting that exercise we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, having a really strong social support network. So leaning into friends and family when you're feeling stressed and spending quality time with people. We're more tribal than we think. So being a part of a healthy tribe and connecting with people, ideally in a kind of loving, supportive environment, super good for us. But in addition to that, Emma, I wanted to mention mindfulness and maybe the golden standard for good mindfulness is meditation practices. And we know from phenomenally uh, well-verified science that's now going on for over 50 years that mindfulness is one of the most important changes that we can introduce to our lives to, for managing stress. And it's because it not only is an intervention in the moment as we actually do the practice, but it actually changes characteristics of our brain over time. So we're, we're developing different personality traits as a result of practicing meditation. Well, and something that I've found with myself is that I kind of got into the meditation world for a little bit, but um, there were so many different resources and ways to do it that I was kind of honestly overwhelmed and didn't know how exactly to do it. Do you think there's one right way? Well, I would say that in general, the gold standard for meditation practices are those that look for singular points of focus. And so traditionally, that's been either a mantra that is repeating a phrase over and over again in one's mind, not necessarily out loud, or focusing on the breath. Those are the two big traditional ones. But those are the traditional anchored meditations that are the gold standard. But having said that, we could even look to things like like guided meditations that you'd get in the Headspace app, which are perfectly fine. The main thing about a meditation practice, whatever one a person uh, chooses to pursue, is the regularity of the practice. And, and in youth in particular, there's good science showing resiliency is diminished because youth are less likely to commit to an intervention that they're taught. Whereas adults who are going through um, resiliency training or dealing with stress or depression, might be a little bit more compliant at sticking with whatever intervention they've been taught. So that's the hint to your, your listeners, uh, is that if you learn a practice, some meditation practice, even if you only do it for a brief number of minutes per day, five, 10 minutes, ideally at least 20 minutes, the secret to success and actually changing your brain, literally changing the wiring of your brain over time, is that you need to stay with the practice every single day for a consistent number of weeks, months, and ideally years and decades. Yeah. And would you say that it's more effective to do it in the morning or in the evening, or does it really matter? It doesn't really matter, but there is it, there are advantages to doing it first thing in the day. And I can say this for all manner of self-care activities that we basically only have a certain amount of willpower in the day. It's like, and we use it up like a tiring a muscle. Mm 
And so if you wait till the late evening and you're going to say, well, I'm going to go get my exercise. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do a, I don't know, a gratitude journal, let's say. Well, by 10 o'clock at night, after you've done all your homework, you've done all your learning and wrote an exam and all that stuff, you may have very little ambition and um, willpower, discipline to do the things that you wanted to do. So if you really want to have good self-care practices, I highly recommend to the people that I coach that they do them first thing in the morning. I've definitely been doing it the other way around, so that's good to know. You mentioned something about a gratitude journal, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on gratitude journaling and how effective of a practice you think that is. Gratitude is one of the most well-established, easy interventions to increase happiness in one's life. And again, it's not because in the moment that we're doing a reflection on what we're grateful for that that makes us feel good, although that may be true. It's that when we're searching in a formal, ritualized way for what's happened in my recent past, say the past 24 hours, that went well in my life, we're actually training the brain to be able to look for and identify good things. We will actually train the brain, grow neurons that make the recognition of positive things in our lives more accessible to us. Yeah, I'm wondering, does it have to be three things that you write down that you're going that you're thankful for? I feel like I see the number three everywhere, but does writing down three versus one, does it make a difference? Does the number really matter? Um, There's been two kinds of studies on gratitude that are most well-known. And the one says, write down three things every day from your past 24 hours that went well. And it just, it's very simple. It can be just little bulleted items. Uh, Great conversation with Emma, um, excellent workout routine at the gym, and whatever your third one is, beautiful sunny day, uh, th- those would be my three things, super simple, super fast, very, very effective gratitude practice. The other one that's been studied and is equally um, well-recognized as a good intervention and suits some people's brains and thinking styles a little bit better is to only do one reflection on what you're grateful for per day, looking to the past 24 hours, and then write a little paragraph about it. You know, I had this great interview with Emma. She was super good at questions. Um, it made me happy and proud that I knew a little bit that I could help with her listeners and, and tell a little story in your um, journal and do that every day. It's one or the other of the best researched gratitude interventions. And it's the repetition, just like the meditation that that rewires your brain to be happier Is that accurate, that it's the repetition? I am really sad to say that in some respects because I wish it was a silver bullet and says, oh, anytime you're feeling down, do a gratitude practice. And it may help marginally, but the real benefit is the frequency and ritualization of it. And what happens sometimes, we see if people do it steadily for just three weeks. So if your listeners pick this up every day for the next three weeks, look to your past 24 hours and write down three things that went well, that will make a remarkable difference in their levels of happiness in just three weeks, but it has to be done every single day. And then at some point, the increase in happiness will start to seem less remarkable. And some people will then fall off the practice. And it's very much akin to going to the gym. I could go to the gym for three months and get pretty ripped and say, this is fantastic. I'm feeling great. And then might say, well, tomorrow doesn't matter if I miss the gym because I'm already really healthy. And If we start missing more and more gym days, guess what? We're going to be less strong. But if I keep going to the gym and working out to the same level, I may not not get a whole lot more ripped, but I'll maintain this good physical condition. Well, the same is true for your gratitude practices, that after a while, we may adapt and say, this doesn't seem to be making me any happier, but to quit the practice will make you less happy over time. 
Right. Just before we run out of time, uh, I want to ask your opinion on social media and how that affects happiness. This is something I'm quite curious about. So I know there are a lot of studies about how social media makes people feel sad and have overall worse self-image, but something that I think is hard is that with teenagers especially, they know it's making them sad, um, but they can't help to use it because of the because of the addiction rather than they think that it's making them happy. So do you have any maybe tips or recommendations on kind of how to bring that addiction to a halt? I love the way that you pose the question because you're right. Social media in general is not good for us. And it's often the addictive nature of it that we're picking up our phones or touching our phones as often as 22 times an hour, which when you think about it, is just insane. Yeah. Um, and it's literally, it's just insane. We're wiring our brains to get this little um, tactile reward um, that causes a little dopamine rush. Mm -hmm. But it, in the long run, it's actually detrimental. We're less engaged in the real world. So social media in and of itself won't be a terrible thing, especially if it's in, in enabling a depth of relationship. So if I go onto social media to have a conversation, let's say through uh, Facebook Messenger with you and I, and we really have this great dialogue and it goes on uh, kind of on and off over many days, we wouldn't say that that use of social media is bad at all. But if we're going to social media to get those little dopamine rushes, those funny memes, uh, me getting my news junkie um, needs met, or you know that kind of, or YouTube just because we, oh, I think I want to watch a funny YouTube video. If yeah. we're doing that frequently through the day, ultimately that's going to be a very numbing way to um, self-soothe, and ultimately it's not, it's unhealthy like like drinking or smoking a cigarette or these kinds of ways of getting artificial ways of feeling some relief from what's going on elsewhere in my day. So my rule of thumb that I, I share quite often is limit our social media to 20 minutes a day. And that's probably really challenging for a lot of young people, especially, but it might be then 20 minutes a day, three times a day. And anything more than that, I think is just allowing ourselves to constantly go to this place where we're getting our fix and it's not happy making, it's just distracting from our own um, thoughts. So that's all the questions I had for Paul today. I would like to once again give a huge thank you to Paul Krismer, founder of The Happiness Experts and author of Whole Person Happiness. Thanks for listening. Once again, my name is Emma Duke and this has been Cultivating Happiness. 